You know, we, we, we do. We ask the Lord, you know, to speak to us, right? And I, and I know, Brennan won't say this, but he has a terrible migraine this morning. And he, he gets hit with them really hard. So he prayed, and then I was watching him. And uh, it was two weeks ago where he, you know, Bre- Brennan, you're just going to get honesty with Brennan, right? We're, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what we're going to get. And a couple of weeks ago, he just was sharing his heart, and he said, I feel like someone wants something from me all the time. Remember that? Yeah. And that is part of what happens in pastoral ministry. But let me ask you this morning. Don't you love this guy just for him? Right? It, it, isn't, it isn't about what he can do for you. It's, the reason we're thankful for Brendan is because who he is in Christ. That's what it, that's what it is, Right? I mean, I, I, really, I really, when I talk to people, that's what I hear. So, I think let's just pray for him and release him from any of that nonsense that we're expecting him to dance and sing for us this morning. We're just, we're just trusting that as he's given himself to Christ, Christ will give himself to us through him, right? Mm-hmm. So, one more time, can we? Lord, we release Brendan. We're thankful for who you made him to be, how he's wired, and his relentless pursuit of living honestly before you. And so for that, we as a congregation say thank you. Mm. And from the bottom of our heart, our expectation is placed on you, Lord. Yeah. And we're running after you. And this is just a guy who is holding up signs for you. (laughs) So we say thank you, and we expect to hear from you. And we ask that you would deliver our brother Mm. from any kind of spiritual pressure, any kind of physical pressure, and from this headache, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, you guys. Any other skeletons in my closet you want to tell people? <laughs> Thank you. See, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you all. That was very kind. I have no idea what I'm going to say now. <laughs> But God is good, amen? He really is. Do you know that? Beyond the church saying God is good all the time, he's good. Yeah, we say that, but he really, really actually is. (laughs) And um, how many, let me ask a question. And I I want as much vulnerability as you can give me. And uh, this is not rhetorical in any way, but how many of you have fought your whole life against being a people pleaser? Raise them high. Almost every, wow. How does that feel? Oh, it sucks. I heard someone say it sucks. That's, a, that's, that's an honest way to say it. Yeah. What, how, how else does it make you feel? Exhausted. Yeah, it takes energy, right? Being a people pleaser, put, you put a mask on. And it takes a lot of energy to keep that mask on. How many of you still live in that, in that people-pleasing? I do. I mean, we want people to like us, to be pleased with us, right? We'd be lying if we said differently. Some of us have learned to get through that, but there's something about it where we want to be in alignment with popular opinion and the people around us because we want a sense of connectedness and belonging, and we'll give ourselves away to get that. We absolutely will. How many have done that? You've given yourself away. 
Mark preached, oh, yeah, sure, now I'm going to brag on him and he's gone. Great. <laughs> preached an amazing message last week that what we give ourselves to will have power over us. It will beat us down. It will rob us of what God has for us. And God is the only one that when we give ourselves to him, doesn't require anything from us. And what I mean by that is he doesn't need our talents and all our things that, that we think we can give him to make him love us any more than he already does. But yet we feel that we have to align ourselves with popular opinion or the person in front of us, the opinion of the person in front of us to feel this sense of belonging. And we become a slave. Now we say, Paul says that in Romans a lot. We hear that word slave. Now understand that in that culture, especially Christians, that are new Christians especially, that are hearing that word slavery in the midst of hearing they're free in Christ. It bothers them. Paul knows it bothers them. Paul is not one to be timid. He pokes the bear. He does. How many of you, when you read Paul's stuff, you go, whoa, he just said that. Anybody? But he has a very compassionate heart. He really does. But he gets... He gets to the foundation, to the, the basis of the issue, the core thing. We, as Mark said, every human being is dependent. We fight so hard to be independent so we don't have people having too much say in our lives. I, I'll tell you what, I'm like, to fight my people-pleasing nature, I would start becoming rebellious and overly blunt because I felt that would make up for my, my inability to just be me. So I would try to overcompensate so that I wouldn't give myself over to someone. But we do it way too often because we are built to be dependent. But to be dependent in Jesus. So we are built to be slaves. So we're going to go through a passage. We're going to finish chapter 6. And chapter 6 has been awful. I, I, in a sense, I'm just being honest. I don't like it. Because we're ta Paul's talking about being slaves to sin... And when Jesus comes on the scene, now we're free in Christ, and we're to move into righteousness, which in chapter 4 says only comes by faith in Christ, which means relationship with Jesus. It's the only way holiness and righteousness happens. Okay, how does it happen? Through what? Faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. So when we hear righteousness, it's not about, because you'll see language that says doing you know, righteous acts and all this, but it comes from faith in Christ Jesus. So it is not a by merit kind of deal. It is about relationship. And the only way holiness and righteousness happens is through relationship in Jesus. But we have this thing that calls sin that is always trying to get our attention. And we give ourselves over to it, even as Christians. And so when Paul's writing to these people, they don't want to hear that they can still be slaves to sin. They don't want to hear the word slave because they're free in Christ. Well, we need to get over ourselves because I believe we're free in Christ, but I don't always believe we walk in that freedom. I know I don't walk in that freedom every single day. I really want to. I really do. Because as it was so eloquently put, giving yourself over to something other than Christ sucks. Not my word. <laughs> word of the people. <laughs> but it does. And it's not healthy. And we'll see in this passage that the wages of sin is what? Death. 
And that's what it feels like. It feels like death when you give yourself over to something else. So chapter 6, I'm going to read from 19 to the end. So just posture yourself to receive. If you want to follow along, you can follow along. If you have your Bibles, get them out. Verse 19, chapter 6, Paul says this. After talking about this slavery and sin, and now we are free in Christ, moving into righteousness, he says, I put this in human terms for you (laughs) because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to, uh, and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at, the, at that time from things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves, there's that word again, to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have to be honest as the church with what we're going through. We talk a lot about vulnerability. We talk a lot about being honest Mark was very kind in in saying, I try to be honest. Well, because if I'm not, and I'm helping lead, where do we go? If you're not honest with where you're at, how do we allow God to bring wholeness into our lives and healing? We feel like we have to pretty ourselves up because we feel that there is this pristine mandate we have to live up to instead of Christ who we live into. And because of that, We avoid the hard things. We try to explain them away or to say, well, you can't feel that way. Jesus is on the throne. You can't do that. You can't feel that way. We have new life. Do we? Yes. But we're born again, which means we have to learn to live in that. I don't, look, my daughter, my youngest daughter is four months and she is not walking. She's not talking. I have to change her diaper. Shanna has to feed her. We got to take care of her. Why? Because she's a newborn. For some reason, we think that we have to walk in this flawlessness instead of allowing God to bring transformation, being honest with what we're going through. Because look, if you're called to be a disciple, you're called to be a learner. And you're learning God's heart. And here's the deal. You have to have space to fail. I'm not talking about sin. But we have to have space to fail or we don't what? Learn. But as people pleasers, we want to be, present ourselves fully arrived. And we give ourselves over to something and we we forget and we don't see the grace that shapes us and it forms us. And Paul is all about grace. And he's saying through grace, we have freedom and eternal life in Christ that we have to live into, become a slave to. And the reason why he uses slave is because slavery is a singular focus of what you have to do. If you're a slave to Christ, who's your obsession? Jesus. He is not always my obsession. Let's be honest. He's not always my obsession. Is he always your obsession? Does he occupy every thought, every desire, every motivation? 
Do you want him to? Yes. See, there's a tension here because as Christians, when we look at this stuff and as the church, we can go, wow, Romans, what a great letter. Paul's awesome. And this is great, you know, teaching. And this is a great uh, book to step into. But here's the deal. We have to allow ourselves the space to fail to really grasp the grace. When I was uh, 15 years old, I, I, was a, I loved to skateboard to this day. Uh, drives my neighbors nuts. Um, and they tell me that. <laughs> but as a kid, I would skate all the time. And when I was 15 years old, and I would do the long boards, okay, because I like I liked cruising. I don't need to do tricks, okay? I like cruising. Anyone like that? Some like the rush of doing all this stuff. No, 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 no. I want to cruise. <laughs> and so I was skating around, and I was skating in this... Uh, a shopping mall complex outside, and there was this hill to go back towards my house, and it, it came into the street, but across the street, crossing the street was this stream of water, and I knew, I knew that if I hit that and tried to turn, I, it probably wouldn't end well for me, but there was people everywhere, and there were some cute high school ladies I knew over there, and I was 15, so I became a slave Oh, real quick. <laughs> and I went down and I thought, okay, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make it. It's going to be awesome. I'll do this. I'll probably spin out. It's physics. It'll happen. But I'll recover really well and look awesome. And I hit that water and I spun out and then I blacked out because I hit my head so hard in the middle of the street. I literally sounded like a coconut just being broken open. And I was so embarrassed. And people came to my aid. And I went, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I can't see anybody. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And there was a motorhome, and I run behind, well, zigzagging behind the motorhome, and I sit there, and I just start sobbing. And I'm so embarrassed. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, because as Christians, we know that we're free in Christ, we know where we should be going, but there are things we'll give ourselves over to because, let's be honest, on paper, we want him more than anything else. But when you have desires that are in flesh and blood right in front of you, sometimes they have the first, middle, and last word. And we wipe out. And it's embarrassing. And then we go away in hiddenness and shame. Because that's what sin does. It goes, look at me, I look good, partake, and you're going to feel like it, horrible. And Paul says this. When you look back, these are things you were ashamed of. Well, now how do we step in? How do we step in? And this is where I think Jesus is leading us in this tension, is that we have to step in honestly about where we're at. We as a church have to continue to be a safe place for one another without judgment. It's not your place to judge. Without evaluating and making a judgment, but helping walk alongside each other so that we can be honest about where we're at so we can get to where we need to be, which is right in his presence all the time, saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You can have every corner of my heart and my mind, even if it looks disgusting. 
In full disclosure, a couple weeks ago when I talked about what was going on in the corners of my mind, so many people came up to me saying that they were feeling that way. At, from super mature Christians to people that just accept it, all, all over the spectrum. And you know what that says to me? We're all in this, and we need a safe place to share some of these things so that we can invite Jesus into it. And we need each other. And we need to up the ante and continue to be a safe place so that at least you can share with one person in the body. If you could share one person in the body, they will walk with you. It is amazing because Paul is saying that Jesus wants us to be free and to walk in that freedom and not give ourselves to something else. The church is meant to be led by Jesus. He's the head. He has to be the obsession. I've I've said it before. Stalkers and people that are obsessed, they're committed. Right? They do not have commitment issues. You've seen those creepy movies about a stalker. and yeah, I mean, you've got to admire something. They're disciplined in what they're doing. And we go, that's weird. Not really. I want to be that way with Jesus. I want to be where he is all the time. That's what it means to be a slave. Paul has to say it over and over. He starts the letter out that way. I, Paul, a slave to Christ. He knows he's modeling and supposed to model where the church is supposed to be. A slave to the head who directs us. And we have to be honest about where we are so we can be in the right position at the right time. Surrendered to Jesus. Too often, I'm going to say it again, we judge one another. And we disqualify one another. Or we show fake grace. Oh, yeah, and then you walk away and you go, oh. Oh, I do that. (laughs) Anybody else? I will be the first to admit. I will sit there and I will do everything I can to be compassionate, which is not my go-to move. I wish it was. These two will attest to that. <laughs> and how easy we can evaluate and start to say what's not right and what instead of giving someone a safe place to become the person they were called to be. Now, people don't want to hear from the church. Why? Because we have the gavel. And we go, boom, I judge that you are this. Now, something happened this past week that some may not care about. It affected me greatly because it brings a sense of hope. Anybody watch the new Jurassic Park movies with this guy, Chris Pratt? Who knows who Chris Pratt is, the actor, okay? All right, he won this thing, this award called the Generation Award for the MTV Movie Whatever Awards. Now, he's a Christian man, and Hollywood is not a Christian place, okay? It's not. And he got up in front of everyone, and I'm going to spare you all the details, but he did say to the effect that I want to talk to the next generation, and as your elder, I'm going to take that responsibility. And he says, here are the nine steps to, you know, life by Chris Pratt. And he says a few joking things in there, but there are some key things that were important to understand. He said, first and foremost, he said, breathe. If not, you'll suffocate. And people left. But think about that. Breathe. How often when we're giving ourselves over to someone else, we don't do that. And it feels like you're suffocating. There was brilliance in that. Then he says, 
to a bunch of people in Hollywood that don't want anything to do with God. He said, God exists. Okay, so he says, God exists. Not only that, but he loves you. He says this, and he wants the best for you. He goes, I believe that, and so should you. He just used the should word on Hollywood. What? But the last thing he says, he says, people will tell you, you are perfect the way you are. Who's heard that? And he stands there and has the audacity to say, no, you are imperfect. You are not perfect. You will never be perfect. You will always be imperfect. You were created that way by a, by a force. And he's talking about God. He wasn't bashful about it. Okay? You were created that way so grace could exist. And that grace, like this country, was bought with someone else's blood. Don't take it for granted. Okay, that doesn't seem like maybe a big deal, but when you consider the context of where this guy was, and he looked at it, everyone there, and he basically took everyone to school, including myself, saying that grace is the only way, and we, have to, we can't take that for granted. And if we do not become honest with where we're at, we're taking it for granted. We're taking what Jesus did on the cross and taking it for granted. And trying to pretend to be something else and give ourselves over to something else because we think that's what this means. Instead, it means we have to be crucified with Christ and we have to become one with him. Obsessed with him. And beyond just this one hour where we agree with some content and go out the door, maybe it lasts a half an hour. And then we got to take kids to sports or we got to do this, we got to do that. And the dues of the world begin to remove us from the head of the body. Call it what you want. We can make all the excuses we want, all the justifications we want, but the church has to be the slave to Jesus. And we don't always like hearing that, being corrected, but it's a correction that comes out of love and the best interest for each human soul. Because to be with Jesus is the only place you were designed and created to be. And we have to continue to hear that. And Paul is saying that. And it's offending people. Great. I love offending people when it's about Jesus. I hope everyone in that room that Chris Pratt was talking to walked home upset. Because now they have to engage it. You can dismiss it or you can get upset about it. Either way, God is messing with them. That, that kind of thing on that spectacle should give us hope that God sees us and there is no atmosphere that he cannot touch. There is no heart he cannot touch. And there is nothing he cannot redeem. Nothing. The power of grace through the cross. Whew. So, when we look back on the, what we haven't done or have done, it's not a place to go back and feel shame. It's a place to go back, okay, Lord, where, where do I need to step into you that I have not? Because we can feel bad for ourselves really quickly. Now, guess what? We've given our lives over to something else yet again. Because remember, I don't care what the intention. When your eyes are not fixed on Jesus, that means they're somewhere else. 
What happened to Peter when he took his eyes off Jesus? He sank. Oh, I don't care if it's like, oh, yay, we're going to go, you know, do this mission trip and all that. If we are not centered in Jesus and we're just doing it in the name of Jesus, you're still going to sink. That's why simplicity of Jesus Christ is the only way, it is the only truth that you need to become obsessed with. Everything else will take care of itself because he'll do it. But we must be a slave to Jesus. Your life isn't yours anymore. You don't like that? Take it up with him. But that's the truth of it. It's not yours. Stop pretending it is. Myself included. But there is grace to live into that. We will fail, but we'll fail together in a safe place and continue to move forward into Jesus. Are you with me? All right. Well, shall we pray then? Lord, we thank you for your grace that gives us this space right here to discuss these things in spirit and in truth without diluting the truth, without compromising the truth or ourselves. We thank you that failure isn't always the same as sin. I pray in Jesus' name that you would gently adjust our gaze so that we are seeing you and only you. Put those blinders on. So we see you and only you. That we would not give ourselves away to anything else or anyone else. We thank you for your cross. And we thank you that it's empty. Because you died and you raised. And because of that, we have life in you. And we have relationship in you. It just doesn't give us a nice vacation destination for eternity. It gives us the greatest company for eternity. And we thank you for it. May we not put anything above the cross in Jesus' name. So we break off the spirit of idolatry, which is just us giving ourselves to, to anything other than you. We pray against the spirit of shame and we break that off in Jesus' name. And guilt, and complacency, and laziness, and fear. Entitlement. We break all those things off in Jesus' name. And we thank you for people that you raise up, even in the midst of cultures and circumstances that try to stifle the gospel. You still raise people up that have the courage in your spirit to speak in love in truth and in grace. And I pray that we would continue to do that, that you would be truly our magnificent obsession, that we would truly be slaves to who you are, to your presence. Would you help if we don't have someone in our life that we can be honest to, that will walk with us in your name through the things that we're going through so that we can come to your feet and say, take all of me. Would you Provide the right person at the right time in the right place with the right word that will just listen and not try to fix us, but listen and walk with us as you, as you bring the redemption, as you bring the healing, and as you bring wholeness. Would you continue to make your church a safe place 
pray a blessing over the remainder of our time that we have together here this morning. We pray a blessing over the tithes and the offerings that we give to you out of a place of confidence, out of a place of worship. That we would give without strings attached, that we would give without fear or resentment. as an act of worship and that you would use these tithes and offerings, these gifts for your glory, for your kingdom. I pray as we continue to worship through music, through song, through word, that we would allow you to have your way in our hearts and that we wouldn't hold back because you do not hold back from us. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that you're patient with us. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Your will be done. 